0: Hey guys, welcome back to Fearless Talk. This is season two, episode three with Rachel. I am so excited because this specific episode is fully centered around the Enneagram. I know what you're thinking. Half of you are rolling your eyes and the other half are like, finally, Fearless Co is coming out with an Enneagram episode. The Enneagram has played a huge role in my life. It has really, really helped my development with just my heart, honestly, as well as my marriage, my friendships, my workplace environment, so much and so today's episode is kind of enneagram 101 what is it and for those of you who thinks it puts you in a box to basically abolish that lie and so i'm really really excited for you guys to get educated on the enneagram to get resources of how to learn more about it and how to jump into the journey of finding your enneagram and allowing it to transform your life for the tool that it can be can't wait yay okay everybody we are so excited because we have one of my friends as well as my Enneagram coach on the (laughs) episode today. Every millennial said amen. I am really, really excited because um, our amazing, amazing Rachel is here with us today. And like I said, she's an Enneagram guru is what I've been calling her. Um, But she has been one of my friends now for 10 years. We've traveled the world together. She came to the Philippines uh, and Thailand, right? Yes, Thailand too. Um, Philippines and Thailand with us at Wipe Every Tear years ago, but um, Rachel is one of the most consistent, most loving women that I have the pleasure of being friends with, and so we are so excited to have you today, Rachel.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me, Ebi. It's an honor to be on the podcast with you. I'm so excited.
0: Yay. Okay, well, you guys, we sent over Rachel a list of questions, but this entire episode is obviously centered around the Enneagram. And we brought in Rachel because she is an Enneagram coach. Um, She has been coaching me personally for the last month or so and has really helped transform me. And it's really special (laughs) to be able to do it with her specifically because she is a friend as well as, you know, so I've been able to process so many different things with her and She's been amazing. So we're just gonna jump right into it. Um, to start us off, Rachel, will you just share a little bit about um about
1: yourself, where you're from, what current season of life you're in, all the things. Yes, so I am from Southern California. I am from Riverside, which is where we met actually, and am now currently living in San Diego. And I'm engaged, so I'm in that season of life right now, planning a wedding and all the things, which is both stressful and rewarding at the same time, Um, and doing an Enneagram coaching business and loving that. Obviously, spending time with you every other week is just so much fun, and I love that. And I'm also a preschool teacher on top of all that, so love the little ones and spending time with them every day. And... Yeah, just soaking up the sun and life in general. So that is
0: amazing. Do you remember that one time when we ran into each other at Disneyland? I oh. do, and I cried. <laughs> that was crazy. I cried. With Allie, right? Yes. yes. Oh I my gosh, so that was amazing. To see you,
1: and you guys were so tearful and happy, and I was oh just my burst gosh. Tears. Yes, that was I amazing.
0: Okay. So tell the world, tell the world about Paul. We want to know about Paul for a minute. You're Oh my fiance. gosh.
1: How much time do we have? We
0: have all the time.
1: <laughs> um, Yes. Paul is my wonderful fiance. He is so incredibly supportive and uh, he's, he's amazing. He loves to build <laughs> he's a builder of all the things and he actually is working right now we're filming this on a Saturday and he's at a construction site right now um working his little hardaway. but that's one of the things I love about him most is what a deeply hard-working man he is and um he's like my biggest cheerleader in all of this craziness oh, and stress and that's he's like a sounding board and I so need that I think you guys will get to know me a little bit more throughout this podcast, but I tend to be all over the place. And um, Yeah, tell us what Enneagram you are. I'm six, so I'm a loyalist. Um, But also with that, I'm a little bit uncertain about myself, which I've learned and has come out so much with um, wedding planning, especially, and um, have needed just someone to kind of say, you're, you're making good choices. (laughs) Keep going. You can do it. Um, because I, I second guess myself all the time and it really makes the process of decision-making so slow. So, um, it's been, I'm so blessed to have that man by my side. So amazing. Yeah. Okay. And what, and then Paul, what Enneagram number is Paul? Paul is a nine. So nine peacemaker. Yes. Yes. Yes, so
0: (laughs) amazing. Okay, well, yay! this is awesome. Okay, well, will you share a little bit about how you got started with the Enneagram and your passion behind the Enneagram?
1: Yeah, so I first heard about the Enneagram like seven years ago. Now I heard about it um, when I was in college and I read about it when I initially tested. I tested as a three Um, and I guess it kind of made sense at the time because I go to a three and stress. And I was in college. (laughs) So I feel like it's a constant state of stress, right? So I, um, yeah, tested as a three and didn't think much of the Enneagram, but I wish I remember what I had read, but something was out like on our coffee table or something. And I read a little portion of what it looked like to be a three. And it was talking about prayer life and what a three, how a three kind of approaches their relationship with the father. And, uh-huh. um, it hit my core, like it transformed me and rocked me, um, in the way that it just said, I kind of approach the Lord as saying like, I know God, like this is kind of what you want to see. I will get to it. Like almost as if I came to him knowing the answers already. And, I, it rocked me and I changed, it changed my prayer life. And after that, I was kind of like, wow, well, if this could do like this little bit of information can change the way that I interact with the father, like, oh my gosh, it could do so much for so many people. And years later, I decided to become certified as an Enneagram coach. Um, Obviously found out that I'm actually a six and with the help of an Enneagram coach, And it just, like, lit my fire, and now I'm so passionate about helping other people, especially now that it's so popular, um, and it's out there on social media all the time, and, like, all the memes and gifs and everything that you see of the Enneagram, I just, I jumped right into it, and I also kind of am passionate about, like, clearing up miscommunications of the Enneagram, too, so. Yes, um, you're so good at that. Oh, well, thank you. (laughs) I try. Um so yeah that's kind of where it all started for me was in college.
0: So that is one thing Rachel that I was going to say that I love most about your heart with the enneagram is actually the way that you um how did you word it just now? Um like, oh, like re- I like to clear
1: up, clear up misconceptions. Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
0: Because I think a lot of people, and you can totally speak to this and we'll get a little bit dive more into this specifically, but miscommunications, the number one thing I often hear is I don't want to be put in a box. I don't want to take another test. Will right. you just kind of speak to that just right off the bat, like how you can't take a test and instantly know, like for example, you thought you were a three
1: for years. Yes. I thought I was a four for years. Yeah. So um, will you speak to that for a second? Yes. Um. Well, first of all, I think the Enneagram, the reason why I love the Enneagram is because it is so fluid. And so for the people who feel like it's going to put you in a box, um, I just feel like they haven't really uncovered what the Enneagram is yet because it really is. It highlights us in any season of life. You know, it mm-hmm. talks about how, I mean, it's it's just fluid. That's what I'm going to say about it. So um, I think it is the opposite of put you in a box. Yeah. And it is so common to mistype. So common. Like some of the Enneagram leaders um, of our day, they have been mistyped. And I think it's because we see ourselves a little bit in each number and we can relate to things in each number. And so we kind of start to latch on to different things, but um, it's really important to kind of I think the best way to do it is to look at like the core fears and core desires and really feel like which one hits true the most. Because like you said, you related to multiple numbers, right? and you kind of came to me in some confusion of like, I thought I was this, now I think I'm this, and sometimes I think I'm this. Exactly. And um, it took a process of like, okay, well, let's narrow it down. And why do you feel like you're this in some situations? Or which situations do you kind of Um, exhibit these characteristics. And um, yeah, so ultimately we do have our one core type and there is a process to uncovering that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: And so, um, and so for people who know nothing about the Enneagram, will you explain basically like just give me the most layman terms of what it is, how you're number one through nine, and then what it's used, like, what is the main tool of it for? Yeah.
1: Um. So at its, like, I think the Enneagram, like, the name in general throws people off. Totally. So I was like, gosh, what'd you say? Yeah. Enneagram. I had a lady talk to me about it, and she kept calling it the Enneagram, and I was like, ah, it's not Enneagram. <laughs> so the, the name already throws people off, but actually, Enneagram. Um, is a Greek word for meaning nine. So, and gram is like diagram. So it's at, at its name, the name of it is a nine pointed diagram or a nine sided figure. So um, that's what it is. And it's a personality typing system. It has nine types. Um, and it also when you dive deeper, you'll see it has subtypes as well. Um, but you have your wings that are kind of your flavors. Um, and then it also shows you what you kind of display in times of stress or disintegration and integration in times of health and growth. Um, And that's kind of what I was talking about, that fluidity of how you're not boxed in. um, You kind of see, like, we're Mm -hmm. human beings. We reflect so many different things in different stages and seasons of our life. Mm -hmm. Um, So I feel like that is as simple as we could put it. (laughs) Personality typing system, nine-pointed figure. Yeah.
0: So um something I loved you said when um when we first started our Enneagram coaching is that you said it's essentially like guardrails, right? And mm. so or bumper did you call it bumpers maybe? And yes. So will you kind of expand on that?
1: Yeah, so there's a lot. I, I did my certification through Beth McCord, um, your Enneagram coach, which is a great resource for anyone out there who um likes to find stuff on Instagram. She has great Instagram content um, put really simply, but she uses the Enneagram. A lot of her analogies are centered around um, like transportation. So GPS system, she Mm -hmm. calls the Enneagram your rumble bars. Um, So if you're familiar with those, like on the side of the road um, so that you don't veer into a ditch, there's these rumble bars that kind of wake you up. So if you're heading towards a destination Um, whatever your goals might be, or ultimately just like your relationship with Jesus and you're going on this road, well, if you start to veer a little bit or we become in this what she calls autopilot mode, um, the Enneagram or our rumble bars wakes us up to that. And when we are more familiar with our type and what that looks like, we can get woken up to those triggers or those feelings or whatever it may be. And we wake up and we say, oh, no, no, no. Like, I, let's get back on course. Yes. And it it just wakes you up a little bit. And so yes. um, it's totally a tool, meaning, like, I want to highlight that the Enneagram is not the destination at all. And I feel like some people might latch so hard onto this tool that they make it sort of the end point of, like, fulfilling what the Enneagram might tell them to fulfill, but that is not what it's made for. It is made for a tool. It is our rumble bars. They're on the sides of the road and it is not our destination. Um, To fulfill anything within it. Yes, and I remember
0: something you said once that I loved. I think I've quoted you probably forty times since. (laughs) You said, um, "You know, you you take your enneagram. It's like if you and I both. It's like I have a destination, an end destination of Disneyland, um, and my starting destination is off. That I'm never going to arrive at my destination if my starting location is off. And so, um, I have literally when I every time I use my maps." phone on my iPhone every day, which is, you know, multiple times a day, I'm always like, God, I just want my, my end destination to be you, Lord. Yes, totally. <laughs> it's hilarious how now I associate my maps app with the Enneagram because of what you said. So you might be able to expand that a little bit more articulately than me.
1: <laughs> yeah. So there are like, when you start getting into the Enneagram, it'll highlight, the not so proud parts of our lives and our personalities, but also highlight our strengths as well. And I think people get a little bit tousled when it highlights our more negative characteristics. But, um, I think what you're talking about is our starting point. And if we don't know where we're beginning, like we can't type in, go to Disneyland from New York. If I live in San Diego, like I'm going to get the totally wrong direction if i'm saying that my current location is new york but it's totally not you know so we need to know where we're starting from in order to get to where we're going yeah and it kind of helps us to uncover like where we are currently like where we're beginning
0: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's so good. Okay. So that like perfectly transitions to the next question of sharing the difference between just taking the test and letting us a number assigned to you versus walking through the process of really understanding. And that doesn't mean always getting a coach. There's books and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But will you kind of um, briefly expand on that? How you know that that test is kind of that starting point and it can help you kind of show you a few numbers that you could be, but then how journey of unfolding how that could look different.
1: Yes. Um, well, I have had those people in my life that I've looked at with like side eye because they have taken a <laughs> test and they've been like, Oh, that's a hundred percent me. And then that's it. And I'm like, How did you do that? Because totally it took me years of like, wait, maybe I'm this or maybe I'm that of like questioning and that actually highlights the six in me a lot of being so uncertain and relating to so many numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of sixes and nines. Um can have a hard time typing because they relate to all the numbers so much. Mm -hmm. But um, some people can take the test and they are typed and they read it and they know. My coworker, it took her two hours to realize that she is a two. And I'm like, that was so fast. Um, But for you and me, obviously, we did not have that same journey. And so the thing about the Enneagram is it's really pulling out and highlighting our motivations behind things. So when you do something, it's like, well, why did you do that? Um, In college, when I first tested, I was, I really wanted to get good grades. I hated getting bad grades on tests. Like I was very, I was a high achiever. And so that's why um, three, the achiever made sense to me, especially in college, because that is kind of what I looked like I was very successful in the things that I did, but come to find out, like my motivation wasn't to succeed. My motivation could have been more about like, I went to such a small private school and I respected my professors so much that I felt like when I failed a test, I failed them. And I care so much about authority. Authority is big um, for a type six. And it really was that if I got a bad grade on a test, I felt like I was letting down a professor who spent time like explaining concepts to me and really like rooting for me. And that was my core motivation, not to be successful and gain status. So I may have looked like a three, but the motivations are different between a three and a six. So that's hard to identify right off the bat. When you're taking a test, you may not know really what motivates you. And so it's really difficult. You find if you've ever taken a test, a lot of times you're like, "Ooh, I don't really know the answer to this question. And you kind of just pick the best one that fits. But that's why it can be difficult or easy to mistype yourself because exactly questions are tricky. It, it, they are tricky
0: also we have follow all these instagram accounts instagram and coffee all these things where you read yes. these little tiny things of how we respond at a restaurant or how we uh-huh. prepare for a trip and we're like
1: oh
0: I'm a 1 or you oh know oh my gosh yes
1: i had someone come up to me and they were like i've always thought i was a 7 but i read on such and such an account that this is how i'd respond at a party and that's not how i re- that's not how i act at a party so maybe i'm not a 7 i was like whoa, whoa wait Let's that, not throw it off
0: hilarious. so quickly. Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. And so will you take us through the journey of and helping understand how the Enneagram can help our relationships? And maybe you can touch on why it's a no-no to assume that you know people's Enneagram number. I know that you remember that was a big thing you told me is don't assign a number to people like your family. You're like, you refuse to assign a number to your
1: family. Yes. Oh, and they beg me too. I just totally. got a text from my brother the other day. What <laughs> no, what Enneagram number am I again? I'm like, well, I can't tell you. And he said some Enneagram coach or something like that. I was like, thank you for the encouragement. Um, No, but just, I mean, just like I said, it's difficult enough for us to kind of really figure out what number we are and our motivations. So we definitely should not let other people type us, especially a coach. Um, And it can be so challenging to want to say like, I think you're this, or, I mean, I guess you can offer suggestions, but ultimately it comes down to, I think it's such a deep and intimate um, opportunity for you to connect with the Lord and kind of ask him, you know, why, how, ha- why do I respond this way? Like, and he can sort of start to highlight things in your own heart of why you might do things. But um, wait, I forgot the question. Oh, and just how, <laughs> how the Enneagram can help our relationships too. Oh yes. Our relationships. So that's why we shouldn't type other people, but when you are confident in what your number is and you have someone who knows their number, there are, like, I feel like boundless opportunities for your relationship to grow at that point. Um, Definitely. It has helped Paul and I so much. Yeah, me too. In, in times of conflict because, I mean, I feel like we can all relate to these moments where we're like, oh! like pull your hair out. I don't understand why you reacted that way or I don't yeah. understand why you're saying this right now. How do you not see it my way? Yes, you know, and we just get stuck in these positions of like, I'm never gonna see this situation through your eyes, and you're not literally gonna see it through my eyes. But in hashtag in, marriage, in, yes, right. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag dating too. I'm like, yeah, ah, totally, so true. I'm not very, I'm not even married yet, and we're still oh, like, totally. Oh. Um, but by understanding kind of his core fears and his core desires, like I know in a conflict, like, ooh, if this is his core fear. Like he's totally trying to avoid, totally. he wants to avoid the conflict. Like he wants to keep the peace. He won't admit that we're like, even in a conflict when we're in a conflict, he's like, no, 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 we're not fighting. I'm like, oh, homie, wake up. We're fighting. Yeah, <laughs> like, definitely. We are told that is what we're doing right now. Totally. And He's like, no, no, no. He wants to brush it off. He wants things to be cool and smooth. Well, I want to talk about it. And I, you know, a lot of times I feel in conflict abandoned. That's a thing for me. And so I'm like, I just need to hear from your mouth like we're still on a team. That's what I need from you. And I've been able to identify what I need in those moments through the Enneagram um, and also avoid the things that cause conflict because I can tell myself even before we get in conflict, no, Paul's not abandoning you. Totally. You know that he supports you. That's so – I need to feel supported. And I tell myself like, Rachel – He has shown through so many situations that he supports you. Like don't start telling yourself right now that you're unsupported or that you're not on the same team. And that can turn things around for me like before it even gets to anything I totally conflicting, you know?
0: Yeah, I feel like even in so I am everyone, I'm a three. I Ooh. I which I'm proud three. I feel like I need to get a jean jacket that like has a three on the back or something. <laughs> yes. But um oh, that's such a three thing to do actually. But um I go to health when I'm in health, I go to a six, and when I'm unhealth, I go to a nine. And it's so interesting. Um I can tell in conflict in relationships, whether it be Zach or even my closest, best, best friends, I in conflict totally shut down, which is a very, you know, the unhealthy side of a nine. I don't want conflict, and so I just decide, you know what? What you have to say, they're probably not going to hear you. And so just be really quiet and then let the basically mm-hmm. let the dust settle. And then we can, you know, pretend like this never happened and sweep it under the rug. That is totally my like kryptonite in conflict. And so it's so interesting through the Enneagram in the last like two years or so of just being like in this moment, feeling my soul wanting to shut out, not mm-hmm. wanting to process, not wanting to like, you know, dig deep and say, okay, what is really going on and how can you share what your heart is feeling in conflict? And so that's what's so interesting. I can feel myself when I go quiet. I'm like, no, 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 that's not healthy. you right. Know? And so um, <laughs> exactly. It is crazy. And even being able to understand Zach and his, he's an eight wing seven, a strong eight, might I add. Um, and so So when I have conflict with him, it's so interesting how I know what he needs to hear. Even just the Enneagram giving language to me of like, even like you guys, I was doing coaching with Rachel and there's this like, um, form that she'll give you. And it says what not to say to each number and then what to say. And Mm. I remember reading the one on eight and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I say that to Zach every day. How disrespectful that is like never going to settle with him. So it's been even interesting to give me language for how to communicate, not only with Zach, but with really close friends. Right. fellow, you know, employee or workers and like so many different people where I'm like this, how I speak in this moment is going to, you know, navigate how this conflict or how this conversation is going. And knowing their Enneagram has helped me so much. Yes. Oh, and l- so let's awesome. not just
1: talk about conflict because yes, it helps so much in conflict. But I found, and I think we talked about this before with my coworker, who's a two, I'm not a big words of affirmation and I've learned that a two really likes to just know that like they're
0: I see you (laughs) I love you
1: I appreciate what you're doing and I ne. I mean at work we're just doing our job like I never was saying that to her and then I noticed that when I started placing those comments in there every so often like it changed our work environment and we were such better co-teachers for it because I would tell her like oh my gosh, I noticed you did that. Thank you so much. Like, I so appreciate that. And it just, that little comment totally changed our work dynamic yes. because she was kind of just being like, oh, I'm acknowledged. And I'm thanked for the person that I'm working with, you know, Yes, and it made our, the environment healthier. And when we're working with children, like, that even trickles down to them. Like, when we're healthy, then the children Absolutely. that we're working with, and that works in a family, too. Like, when the marriage is healthier, yes. like, it totally flows on to, this, to the children as well. Yes. And then I was thinking earlier today, too, like, how cool that now that you know and you're saying loud and proud, I'm a three, your friends can now know, oh, instead of just, like, highlighting and praising Ebi for her, you know, successes and, and, and the things that she's doing – I can now make sure to check in and ask, like, how's her rest, you know, And, and kind of know what my friend needs and maybe what they don't implement as much in their life as naturally as I would. And I can pop in and say, hey, how's your rest? Like, how are you doing with that? Or like, hey, has there been any failures in your life that you need to process with me or that you wanted to talk about? And so you kind of know and have these conversation points with your friends of what they might really need that they don't even know they need. Exactly. So, yes, that is I found so that good. to be so helpful.
0: And this is even a side note you guys when um I was with Rachel just processing, I thought I was a 4 for about a year and a half because I uh, tend to be kind of moody and like um more like introspective and Whatever. So then I found out, wait, I think I'm a three actually. But then when I took the test with Rachel, I actually tested highest on a seven and then an eight. And yes. so we were like, wait a minute, there's so many different things. So Rachel was so patient with me as we walked through the process. But what's really amazing, you guys, is I read the uh, you know, the biggest fears of a three and the biggest motives. And the fear uh, is failure. And I was like, Well, I just don't identify with that word at all. Like I just don't fail is in my head what I thought. But then as we started talking a lot more, I was like, Well, I I get embarrassed kind of easy. Well, I feel like kind of insecure about these things or, and all of a sudden I was like, wait a minute, this is masked in, you know, failure that I saw this. I saw like, it was just a different word for it basically. Right, if that makes any sense. And so, um, it's been really amazing since finding out my number and being like, even here's a perfect example. You guys, I'm in dead center in the middle of potty training ASAP. And I broke down last week. I broke down, started crying. And Mm. as the words came out of my mouth, I was like, oh my gosh, this is an Enneagram moment. I looked at Zach and I said, the reason I'm so upset is because this is a reflection of my failure. Asa's failing because I failed him. And as it came out of my mouth, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm being hard on myself because this is categorized as failing like I feel like I got a F on a test when I should have get an a because I know better I'm I can do better and um, so anyway it was in that moment where Zach was like okay babe you are not a failure you know just having to affirm those things and then like Rachel just said rest I do not rest. I have to fight for rest like crazy. Mm. So then Zach checking in with me, even this morning at the crack of dawn, he said, hey, what what minutes of this day are you going to actually apply rest? When are you going to step away? Do you want to go around the block today? You want to go for a walk? What would help you feel restful? And my answer, doing the dishes, actually cleaning the house, that's restful to me. He's like, okay, yes. great. So this time, and so now Zach's been able to check in on me and been like, okay, how can we keep <laughs> her safe? Yes, and that's
1: something we did together too. In yeah. our sessions was, okay, Evie, identify with me what helps, what is actually rest for you? Because for some people, it is like, I'm going to go lay on the couch and not talk to anyone and not move. And that's not restful for me because then my mind is like running a million miles per hour. And that's what you said too. We both kind of related on resting as we clean. (laughs) Yes. that that's actually way more wrestle for us. amazing it's amazing, that's hilarious also I've learned that
0: sixes are now um, actually my favorite which Rachel is a six, she said earlier (laughs) and so then when I found out that I went to six in health, I was like yes, like, and even recently somebody was like, what is your favorite attribute of God? And I was like, my favorite thing about Jesus is how loyal he is. And then Mm. I was like, wait, the loyal is when I'm healthy. I'm a alive. And that will even, I think I kind of briefed on that earlier, but will you kind of share the Enneagram and how it will help us with our walk with Jesus? Like, and how it always, we want it to point back to the gospel. Yes.
1: Um, so, one actually something that popped in my brain, and I want to share it so that I don't lose it. But Marilyn Vansel has a book called Self to Lose, Self to Find, and I highly recommend it. She outlines she kind of uses different wording. You'll always see like a name associated with the number. So one, the reformer, a two, a helper, and she does that, but in um, a very different way. And it it is the characteristics and attributes of the father. So what each number kind of reflects. Um, so for a six, like you said, a six, um, reflects the loyalty of the father. Um, and she kind of goes through each number and I, oh, I love that book so much. And the words that she puts, um, on that on paper of what we reflect for the father. And that's a great way for you to celebrate your friendships and the people that you love. When you read that book, you get a whole list of things to just like rejoice in each other and be like, I love that you represent um, the fight that Jesus puts for us and how he is just unrelentless for our hearts. And, you know, depending on who it is, like for Zach, you can call out just the power that he resembles and that he shows. And you're like, oh, the power that you display just reminds me of the power that the father has. So that's a great book for anybody who wants yes. to read more into that. Um, but as far as just like how it can impact our relationship with Jesus, like I feel like we all approach the father differently. And like I said earlier, that was one of the biggest things that changed my life was realizing how I approach him in pre- like the, the baggage that I'm already carrying to him or the false self that I have on when I approach him and not fully coming to him, like, like open hearted, you know, we hear the term like naked in front of Jesus or naked before Jesus. And it's kind of one of those things is like, here I am without anything in front of me or anything covering up. And you and I always use the word like unmasking. So how can I further unmask myself and slough off that? old self or this personality that I use to protect myself and just approach Jesus like as as myself like who I am and I always came to Jesus with an agenda and I didn't even realize that I was doing that until I read this and I was like oh my gosh like I'm gonna approach the father without an agenda like as easy as that and now I know that I can do that and I don't have to come to him with my problems solved I can come to him saying like I need help or, you know, whatever it may be. And if I know that I struggle with authority and I see Jesus and I view him as like this authority, and then I'm then coming to Jesus super insecure and mm-hmm. I'm feeling insecure in my prayer life, like that is where I can grow by yeah. being aware of how I'm approaching him mm-hmm. and take that false self away.
0: Yeah. And I think it also goes down to just like wholeness, like our pursuit of wholeness and using the Enneagram as that. We go like every single number, you know, usually everybody can, you know, relate with a number. And then for me, what's been so amazing is it's brought this language Like I said earlier in my prayer life where I'm like, I never recognized this. And that's why now I can go to the father and say, God, I'm struggling today because I'm really feeling like I'm failing. I know I'm doing a thousand mm-hmm. things, but I just feel like I can do more. And God, will you fill the gap? Will you fill this place in me where I feel like I am not enough. And then God tells you he's enough. Or as an eight, you know, God saying he's a God of justice. These things that you're passionate about, that you care about, he cares about. Or as a one, it's like, hey, you're striving for perfection. Your, Your inner critic is so loud, but guess what? The father says, I love you. You're enough. You're doing a great job, you know, and all these different things. It's so amazing. And then even if each number, I think a lot of times you, you look at the number that you become and the, and the one that you're so disgusted by and you want to throw up at is usually the one you are and (laughs) and how it works is the Holy spirit gets to come in and use this tool of the Enneagram to say, Hey, what you see is not what I see. I see that you're this, I'm praying Mm -hmm. this over you. I'm doing, you know what I mean? Right. Totally. It is so cool. Okay. So Rachel, I want to know how does the Enneagram, how can it, it kind of transitions straight into the next question of how does the Enneagram come alongside us in our relationship with Jesus?
1: Yeah. So this was actually a question, Evie, that you had sent over to me. And as I was reading through it and thinking about how to answer it, it was actually a lot more difficult to answer than I thought it would be. And I think it's because of this. each of us approaches the Enneagram so differently and our Enneagram journey looks so different as well. And so we're going to get out of it, what we put into it as with anything in life and what I'm going to get out of it in regards to anything, what, if it becomes my relationship with Jesus, my relationship with Paul, my relationship with my friends, um, that does look so different between each of us. But one thing I will say, and I'm going to come back to the core fears and core desires when you look at your core fears, you, you have figured out your types. One has really hit true to your soul. You're like, I believe this is me. I feel understood. I feel related to, um, you're going to look at your core fears and you're going to probably first feel that way, feel like, oh, I feel understood. And other people feel this way. And I feel relatable and I'm not the only one, but then there's almost like a a little bit of hopelessness because you're like, well, this now, what do I do? Like, what do I do with this core fear? Because I feel that. And it's so real. Um, Like for me with my core fear, I fear fear itself. I struggle a lot with uncertainty and, and the unknowns and all the what ifs. And I carry that with me a lot. And for me looking at that and realizing like, that's in no position for, Paul, to help me. That's in no position for my parents. That is not on anyone around me because they cannot fulfill that gap or that hole that's within me or that fear in me. I immediately can take that to the Lord and say like, Lord, I'm fearful right now because I know that I can't control life and I can't control this situation and I don't know what's going to happen. Um, and I lay that at your feet, and I give that to you, and that's all I can do with my that fear that's at the core of who I am. I can like I can do nothing else with that, and I think that's a really beautiful thing because it's this position of surrender, of here I have this within me, I struggle with this. Um, there's there's truth to what I'm fearful of. It's not that it's something that I can just wipe away, but I can hand it over and place it in the, in the arms of Jesus. And he takes that. And I think that's something that's really beautiful. And if you do want to dive deep into the Enneagram, there's growth paths for every number. And it's always pointing you back to Jesus. So if you're one and you're really, you have this grip on needing to be perfect, um, your growth path, there's rest for you because you are now righteous because of Christ that is in you. And you can loosen that grip on needing to be perfect and needing to perfect things around you. And that's for each number. There's something like that for you of being able to loosen the grip on whatever you're holding on to, whatever you're trying to avoid and the things that you're striving for that you might never get like for a three, if you're striving to be successful, you're not gonna find success in everything that you do. And there's a growth path for you in that. And I think that's one of the most beautiful things about the Enneagram is it it is that tool to point you back to Jesus and just completely surrender to him and the things that you're carrying on to.
0: That's so so good, and I think that you mentioned this earlier about like standing naked or unmasking. Yes, unmasking. That's, yeah, it's like this a beautiful, beautiful vulnerability of all the fact, all of a sudden s- seeing. Oh my gosh. I, when you take off everything, the lack that you are, and then you look at Jesus and you're like, but all that you are and actually seeing, you know, these little tiny, I guess we could call them corks or whatever, or mm-hmm. guardrails and being like in strength, we need to go to him in weakness. We need to go to him and full right. uh, nakedness. When we're fully exposed. His grace is sufficient. Like, cause I know for me, sometimes I look at my, fe- my fears or my lackings and I'm like, I'm like, am I disappointing the Lord, you know, Mm or all these different things. And then when I've used the tool of the Enneagram to be able to say, wow, this is actually this little tiny weird wiring of me. But in this, I get to speak and pray this way. And I get to be able to believe this and I get to be able to see that God is my rest and that God, you know what I mean? And so, um, gosh, that's so, so good.
1: Yes. And there's a great book that I want to plug in right now because it's one of my all-time favorites. Marilyn Vansel wrote Self to Lose, Self to Find. And um, you'll often see, we'll almost always see a name associated with every number on the Enneagram. So the one being the perfectionist, the two, the helper. And I think you and I have had this conversation where the names are almost off-putting. Totally. Where you've seen a number and it's like, Oh, I'd want to be a and performer and you're <laughs> like, what? I don't, that's not me. Like, and they're really <laughs> off putting. Um, Marilyn vansell has a different language to each number, which I think is beautiful. And it's a really gospel centered um, book. So if you want to dive deeper into the ways that the Enneagram and the gospel work together, um, this is a great book for you, but um, it highlights the characteristics of Christ that each number um, embodies. And I think that is, it's, Beautiful language to have for the people around you to call out in one another to say, hey, I see this in you. But also, if you're like, oh, I don't want to be the performer, like there's new language for you in that. And I think that that is so cool. And it, it'll just bring out a whole new um, layer to the Enneagram for your journey that you want to go on. Um, So I highly recommend that book.
0: Yeah. You guys, when uh, Rachel was reading the prayers over every single number, when she was walking me through each number, which we'll do next, um, she would pray. She would say, this is the prayer that we pray over ones or whatever. And when she said the prayer over me, I legit, my eyes instantly filled with tears. And I was like, Oh my word. Like, (laughs) so I haven't even read the book. I need, I'm going to buy it ASAP. Yes. It was so powerful. You guys. So good. Okay, so that leads into our next thing. Rachel, will you just very briefly go through the core fears and core desires of one through nines for people who know nothing about the enneagram and it's just kind of one on one?
1: Absolutely. I when I have clients come to me who are confused, this is where I direct them to because I feel like it really highlights um, the differences between each one the most, especially when you're confused, um, because there's going to be one that really hits a chord. So if you've never read anything about the Enneagram and you have no idea, this might, I mean, listen closely because this can really start your whole journey. Just there might be one or two highlighted that you can further read into. But um starting with Enneagram type one, um, their name, they're called the moral perfectionist or the reformer. Um, they have a fear of being bad or evil, of being wrong or inappropriate. Um, and so their core desire is to have integrity and to have balance and be virtuous, um, and to be ethical. And they really just want to feel like they're good, like they're good human beings. Um, and then the type two, who is the support supportive advisor, you can also hear them called the helper. Um, they have a fear of being unloved or unwanted for being themselves. And a lot of these, um, you can say like, well, I don't really want that either, Which is probably true for any of us. We don't want to feel unloved or unwanted, but it would be like a core fear. Like you'd feel at the heart of you where you're like, that is a motivation. That is something that my whole life I've been trying to avoid. Um, And that is true for a type two. Their whole life they have been trying to avoid this fear and their desires to feel loved and feel wanted for being themselves. A type three EB, the successful (laughs) achiever. Yes, (laughs) to a T or the performer, um, their core fear is of being worthless, of being a failure. Um, they don't want to be seen as being incapable or unimpressive or unsuccessful, anything that is not, um, I guess a hundred percent. And so their core desire, um, they want to put off that performing persona and they want to take off the mask and they want to feel valuable and worthwhile by just being themselves for exactly who they are. Um, Because it's exhausting putting on a performance. Um, And so a type four, the romantic individualist, they fear being inadequate or emotionally cut off. They don't want to be plain or ordinary um, or the mundane small talk, not a thing for type fours. Um, and they really value, um, authenticity and their core desires to find themselves and their unique significance. So these are often, um, I mean, we see art artists at, in any number, but oftentimes, um, fours express themselves through arts. So we get a lot of artists in the type fours, um, Enneagram type five is the investigative thinker, uh, Their fear is of intrusion. They're more of like the introverts of the Enneagram. They don't want to feel empty or contaminated. Um, They don't want to be um, ignorant um, or feel overwhelmed by any means. They kind of have a certain amount of energy throughout the day and um, they need to kind of recharge their batteries so they can't go, go, go all day long. So we really need to respect the space of a type five Um, and their core desires to be capable and competent. The type six, which is what I am, the loyal guardian, and again, I said this earlier, but that name was so off-putting for me at the beginning, (laughs) Um, the loyalist, Um, but my core fear, I said it before, is a fear itself of not having support or guidance um, or security. Like I don't do well with uncertainty or danger or anything like that, so my core desire is the opposite, to have security and support and guidance. Um, A type seven is the entertaining optimist or the enthusiast. Um, Their core fears of being incomplete, of being bored or trapped in emotional pain. They don't want to feel sadness or disappointment or criticism. And then there are big FOMO numbers. So fear of missing out. They don't they have that. They do not want to miss out on anything. They want to be a part of all the action. And their core desire um, is to be satisfied and content um, so they're constantly searching for things to do to fulfill that. Um, an Enneagram type eight, the protective challenger, they don't want to, their fear is of being weak, of being powerless and vulnerable, of being, uh, gosh, underestimated or humiliated in front of people and their core desire is just to protect themselves. So they embody a lot of strength and power. Um, a lot of times people have said they're unapproachable. So those types of, Um, maybe personalities might be a type eight. um, And they're just protecting themselves. And they're actually very vulnerable when you get through that rough exterior. And finally, type nine, uh, the peaceful mediator, their core fears of being in conflict of being loveless, um, separate, um, being uncomfortable or unimportant. um, They, Yeah, their biggest one is of being in conflict of being with someone who is a type nine, this is definitely the one that comes out the most. Um, and then type nine's core desires to have inner stability and peace, peace of mind and peace of everything around them. <laughs> That's um, yes. But every type I will say is a different, uh, I think I talked to you about this, like a different hue. So if we look at each number as being a certain color, like a type one is a green Um, every type one is a different hue or a different shade of that color green. And so if you know a type one and you've typed as a one, but you look nothing like that other person, um, I've heard this so much like, oh, I know I'm one, but I'm so not like that. Totally. You could still be a type one and you just embody it so differently. Um, and I really wanted to make sure that I mentioned that because some of these things you'd be like, that's totally me, but not so much that, um, within the same number, Um, but I encourage you just to like deep dive because it's possible that you look so different than another type two that, you know, right. That's so good. So good. So can you tell our listeners for people
0: who are, you know, people Google Enneagram, free Enneagram tests all the time, tell us where to get started, um, with finding out your Enneagram number and then maybe your top three resources. I know you already mentioned Marilyn's book, but your top three resources that you recommend for people who want to start their journey to start at.
1: There is n- no shortage of resources, that's for sure. Anyone who wants to get started, as long as you know how to spell the Enneagram, get on the online and you will find a test. Like anyone is a great place to start, I always say. Um but the Enneagram Institute um, has a free and a paid version. I think the test is twelve dollars if you want the full version. Um, or you can do a quick like thirty question. One and they'll give you at least um, your top, they'll rank each number. So you can start with your top three and just kind of start reading into those. But don't assume that your highest score is what you are. Um, But it's definitely a great place to start. That's where we all start is by just seeing like, where, where can I begin to read? Um, And so that'll give you a good um, segue into everything else. But um, some names to look out for. Like, if you're wanting something easy to read, fun to read, kind of quick, um, one of my favorite books is called Road Back to You, and it's by um, Ian Crone and Suzanne Stabil. And um, they have a great, just like, overview of everything, and it's very easy to read. It's like a bright orange cover, so you can't miss it. And then Suzanne Stabil also wrote um, The Path Between Us, and that is um, just a little bit deeper into the relationships between all the numbers. So like how your number would relate to each other number. Um, and that's a great read, but those are two names that you want to look out for that. I think they're so easy to listen to. So easy yeah. to digest. Um, and any and-
0: podcasts that you highly recommend?
1: Yes. The two of them actually, <laughs> which is funny, I'm here, but I'm not a big podcast listener. So I have like a little bit that I listen to, but one of my favorites is actually the Liturgist podcast. It's episode thirty-seven, and it's just called the Enneagram, and he has both Ian Crone and Suzanne Stabile, and they um, overview every number and give such great analogies um, for you on the Enneagram as well. So. Perfect. Um,
0: Perfect. Perfect. Okay. And then
1: I have two last questions. The first one is this kind of month we've been focusing on
0: transition just because we're transitioning back into podcasts, we're transitioning Mm -hmm. into all the things. Will you tell us how will it help knowing your Enneagram so then transitions can be a little more
1: smooth and fluid? Um, yeah, I think ultimately maybe that when we transition, it can cause some stress or some tension in our lives because things are changing and that's not always easy for us. So I think understanding your number and how, like what characteristics you start to display in those times, um, using the analogy of a rumble bar, again, it can just kind of wake you up and see how to kind of stay focused and on track and not let yourself kind of like be overwhelmed in transition um especially if there's multiple happening at a time cuz we don't always just have one i feel like everything starts starts to shift like at the same period of our life so if that's stressful like you can start to see how you would react and what ways to kind of place yourself back on the road to growth and wholeness
0: yeah um, so yeah. good that's so good okay and the last question rachel Where can we find you? People who want to start getting Enneagram coached by you, people who want to just step into this journey. How can we find you and how can we book appointments with you?
1: Yes. So, um, I, my business is called your greenhouse coach and it kind of involves my love of plants and just building safe spaces for people to grow. Um, so greenhouse coach, your greenhouse coach. Um, you can, I have a website, so you can go to your Or if you just want to straight email me, um, at your, greenha- your greenhouse, your at gmail.com. Um, I would love to help you guys in your journey and help you discover your typing. If you're still looking for that, or if you know your type and you just want to dive deeper and learn some of the things that you may not just find on a Google search, like Evie and I are diving into our childhood message, her childhood messages, things that she's heard throughout her life that she maybe has believed, but is a lie. So we really dive into things, um, that can lead to ultimate trans transformation, because I've told you on your first time, when we met together, that knowledge is not transformation. Um, we can get all this knowledge, but, um, how are we going to use it and apply it to our life? So I can help you guys with that. Just reach out to me and I'd be so happy to connect with you.
0: Yay. Okay. And then also guys, we're going to link her website. So then you can book an appointment with her, um, in the info on this podcast. And then also, um, you can always find it, um, if you're on an Android or anything, uh, you can always go to fearlessco.org and then click on content and fearless talk. And then all of Rachel's information will be available there. So you guys can make appointments with her there and then follow her on her Instagram. Cause she's, you'll all fall in love with her. She's the best. Oh, so, um, yeah. Rachel, thank you so much for just being the amazing woman that you are. And just obviously for me, I'm extra thankful for you because you have helped me and my family so much. But um, thank you for just being a guest on this podcast and sharing your amazing knowledge of this amazing tool.
1: Thank you so much. It has been so much fun. I always love talking to you. So I am honored to be here. Well, there you have
0: it. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode with Rachel on the Enneagram, and hopefully you have a little more clarity on how the Enneagram can help you and be a tool for your marriage, for your friendships, for your workplace, and just for your pursuit of wholeness. So stay tuned because next week we have a really awesome episode with yours truly. I'm going to be sharing a little bit about what has been going down in my life in the last gosh, I guess three months. So stay tuned. Can't wait to see you guys. Thanks for listening. And as always, make sure you leave a comment in the podcast on iTunes, or even on our website, fearlessco.org. It is always nice to be able to hear feedback from you guys and what you're loving on the podcast. Love you.